gives me great pleasure today. Gordon is going to come and preach. Fan club's in. That's a better response than what I get. Here's, here's your £10. Collect your £10 later. But it does give me great pleasure to get Gordon to preach. Gordon has got something of the prophetic upon his life. And uh, it really speaks into the life. In fact, uh, maybe over the next couple of months, he had a word for the church about Haggai too. About just, it was about a year ago, actually. Just the end of, end of May. Um, and he had this word, Haggai too, and it wrecked me. Absolutely wrecked me. Um, but it was a now word for the church. And over the next, hopefully, number of weeks or so, maybe we'll share that Haggai word too. But God is doing something in you, Gordon. And, I, and I'm privileged to know you. And, and I'm, I want to just say this, that I love Gordon. We meet regularly for breakfast. Um, Slimming World Breakfast, Jen, if you're listening. <laughs> but uh, it's just not awesome with the prophetic and a, a good man of God. He's a, he's a good friend. And we talk into each other's lives. And Anyway, it gives me great pleasure. So let's welcome Gordon as he comes and ministers. I'm glad you're my friend. First of all, I'm glad God's doing something in you. Let's just put our hands over Gordon. We'll just pray for him. Ooh, let's pray. Father, I thank you for your servant. Lord, not looking for the platform, not looking for a place to speak, but Lord, you put something upon him. And Lord, I pray that today we would go away different. Not because of Gordon, because Lord, you have brought something through him that's going to change our lives. Lord, we don't want information, we want transformation. So Lord, would you anoint your servant to bring your word today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. If you want this water, Gordon, I haven't touched it, help yourself. Okay, thank you. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Amen. A long time ago in Scotland, God's country. Woohoo! <laughs> oh, one. <laughs> Amen. Um, we went up to the caravan for the weekend uh, and we thought we'd fellowship somewhere, didn't know where to go. Went up to Kelso, went to the Wells and Woolies. We come across this tin hut and it just said church. I said, that'll do. You know, it was literally a Nissan hut. Um, and we just rock up there and there was only one car in the car park. We thought, okay, maybe it's, you know, my kick off later, maybe something. Went in there, it was an old fashioned church, as I say, just a little hall about this, about as wide as these chairs. And as far back, it's a tiny weeny thing and a pot belly stove at the back. It wasn't you, Sean, it's a pot belly stove, you know, that kind of thing. And there were three people, two ladies and a man. And so we just sat there and he says, good morning. I says, oh, Scottish accent, good morning. And he says, hi. So I says, so I sat there and we sat. I said, uh, so is the minister, what, what time does the meeting start? He says, uh, no. I said, all right, okay, lovely. I says, so when does your minister come? Uh, that'll be you. I says, oh, no, he says, we're praying. He says, we don't have a minister at the minute. We'll just pray and see what comes along. So he says, uh, he says, we're just praying, Lord, send someone to give the word this morning. And that'll be you. <laughs> so I thought, no pressure. So the, the, so that the lady, so the man came up and uh, I says, how long, how long have I got? <laughs> you know, three of them. <laughs> I don't know where to go, you know. Um, how long have I got? He looked at me. He says, well, you see the stove at the back? I says, he says, I says of course, I'm half Scottish, so I went to him and I said, Aye. He says, eh. well, he says, when the preachers come, he says, I'll fill the kettle up, the big, this massive, massive kettle up that size. And he says, eh, when you hear it boiling and whistle, or any of the ways that Scottish can say whistle, because we have an H in the front of our, not a whistle, it's a whistle, right? When you hear the whistle, that's when you stop. I said, oh, all right. He says, looked at me, up and down, he says, mind for some preachers, I feel it half full. <laughs> It'll come. <laughs> now, I feel as if the kettle's full. Are you all right with that? But I'll hear the whistle. Where is he? Where's the whistle? <laughs> it's in the back there. I know Nathan's prayed, but I just, I've got this written down. I must, I must uh, say this. So, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Bless us, the hearers of your word, and turn us into doers of your word, for Christ's sake. Amen. 
Some, uh, Pastor Nathan last week said that he'd heard thousands of sermons, and so have I, because I'm 110. I look good for it, I know I am. I remember sitting mum one day, I said, do you think my skin's good for 50 in those days? She says, aye, son, there's no, there's no wrinkles on a balloon. <laughs> okay. But as I say, we've all heard many sermons, haven't we? Yep. But someone once said that, that people would rather, rather than hear about God, people would rather hear from God. Yep. Do you want to hear from God this morning? Because I've heard an awful lot about God, and so have you. But I want to hear from God, and I've never had a word in all the years that now and again I've preached. I'm not saying this for effect. I've never had a word confirmed so much from the start, the middle, and even the end as I have. And I'll, and I'll, I'll reveal those little confirmations. God's absolutely all over what I'm going to say this morning, and I feel privileged, humbled, and a bit at the same time. So, Lord... Here we go. When I received this, this word in my mind, I had to stop myself and ask the Lord, and I've got loads of notes, so forgive me, okay? But, but I will give you stories and context. I had to stop and ask the Lord, what is it you want to say? Give me a single text, Lord, or a... Or a it's this. You were made for me. Be a good and faithful servant. You were made for me. Be a good and faithful servant. You know, the last thing that the Lord's, or the first thing God's going to say to us when we reach the heavenly shores is, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what we all want to hear, isn't it? That's our aim, that's our goal. I said, Lord, how can I be good and faithful? And this is what came. The joy of the Lord shall be a strength. The joy of the Lord should be a strength. That's going to be your enabler so that when we go to heaven, you'll hear those words. And in John 17, says prophetically, as far as today, the 8th of May is concerned, today, right now. John 17, verse 13 says, And now I'm coming to you. Now. Now. Today. Now. This minute. Go to past 11. Now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak to you, that they, may, that they might be filled with my joy. I believe I've got a word for now. I believe the Lord said to me, some of my people have lost their joy. And I want to restore the joy of their salvation. Even King David said, for different circumstances, restore to me the joy of my salvation. The, some, the past two years have knocked the stuffing, I believe the Lord said, out of them and me with one thing and another. Joy has been replaced by going through the motions. All this is about to come to an end. For weeping may enjoy, for, me, for weeping may endure for a night, but joy shall come in the morning. This I declare that this is the morning that your joy can and will return. How can you find your joy again? How can you find your joy again? Do you want your joy back? Let me share how one of my heroes, and of all the sermons to preach or words to give, God knows what he's doing. And no thing or nobody can excite me more than someone I'm going to talk about. We all have our little heroes, don't we? Our heroes could be in sport or film, whatever it is, but I've got one particular one. And this particular hero has helped me to have my joy and my strength return. He was called Eric Little. Eric Little was a noted Scottish competitive runner, Scottish you see, kind of, and a Christian missionary who won the gold medal at the 400-meter race and was inspired for the movie Chariots of Fire. Eric Little is also known as the Flying Scotsman, whose success over the 400 race in 1924 was legendary. Eric Little became famous for refusing to run 
for a selected round of the 100 meters which he was fit for. As it coincided with the Holy Day of Sabbath on the Sunday. He got the opportunity to run though for Britain in the 400 competition, not his race. And even got a gold medal for it. He went back to China where he was born to continue the missionary work his parents had taught him to do. His devotion and faith towards God is truly inspirational to the end. Of all the sayings, of all the things I've heard of other people, from other heroes, especially heroes of faith, this is one thing that always puts a tear in my eye. And I've wept buckets over this sermon. I don't think I've, I can weep anymore. But apparently, sometimes if it comes out, because it's still there. And he said, well, shall we hear what he said? This is him describing on the film that God had called him to China, but he had something to do first. I was excited. I'm going back to China. The missionary service have accepted me. Oh, I'm so pleased. <laughs> so I've got a lot of running to do first. Jenny. Jenny, you've got to understand. I believe that God made me for a purpose. For China. But he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. To give it up would be to hold them in contempt. You were right. It's not just fun. To win is to honour him. Jenny. Jenny. When I run, God made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Every time I hear that, God just goes right to my soul. God made us for a reason. Revelation 4 says, For thou hast created all things for thy pleasure. They were created. The biggest revelation I had in my Christian walk is, it's not all about me. And it's not all about you. It's all about him. And my hero got it right. For he said, God made me for China. I'm going to substitute that and say, God made you for him. But he also made you, and that's what I'm going to talk about. And when you, you'll feel his pleasure. The gaps I'm going to talk about. And that's your gifting that God's going to give you, that God's given you. The reason why swimmers have lost their joy is because they are not using the gift that God has given you that glorifies Him. Like any race, sometimes we fall. But He has a marvelous way of picking you up. Dusting us down, getting us back into the race to finish. My dad used to say, Mama, you're a great, both Scottish, sorry, you're a great starter, but you're a poor finisher. He loved her, by the way. <laughs> well, sometimes we're like that, aren't we? We start something. That book's going to finish. But it won't finish. Our other grandson, we've got Zach here. This morning, from, from, from Simon, I have two sons. Simon is called the heir, and, Jack, and uh, Alex is called the spare. <laughs> you know, in case anything happens. To, um, you know. so, uh, so Jack, our other, the spare's child, um, I was playing dominoes with him. Of course, not that competitive, but I was beating him five times. It was great. And uh, he was getting upset. Fifth time, Granddad, you know, I'm knocking again. I love that. You know, no, he's knocking. Anybody face dominoes and what I'm talking about? Yeah. Five times, I thought this is getting a bit, you know. The sixth time, 
he won. And as he's only five years old, he says, and what he said was, yes, back in the race. <laughs> I said, looked at him, I said, where's that come from? Because I said, like that. I said, what? He says, I'm back in the race, granddad. He lost five times, but the sixth one, he won. You know, some of us have been in that race five times, 10 times, 15 times. Lord, have I got to go through this again? Have I got to get up again? Have I got to do this? Have I got to do this? But you know what? You're back in the race. Let's get back in the race. But don't forget, mind, when we fall, or if we fall, in Micah it says, Rejoice not against me, O my enemy, for when I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. I will bear the indignation, listen, indignation of the Lord, because I have sinned against him until he plead my cause and execute judgment for me. He will bring me forth to the light. Interesting, that word. I'll come back in a second. Eric said, Eric Little, one of his quotes, many of them, I want to Google them, says, circumstances may appear to wreck our lives and God's plans, but God is not helpless amongst the ruins. God's still, God is still, God's love is still working. He comes in, takes the calamity, and uses it victoriously, working out his wonderful plan of love. One of Eric's quotes. He also said, in the dust of defeat, as well as the laurels of victory, there is a glory to be found in one who has done his best. When he won the 400 meters, which was not his race, which I'll talk about in a second, his strength was for the 100 meters, but it was on a Sunday, and he honored God by not running. The 400 meter race was not he wasn't down for it, his, his name wasn't there. But in America, or, or some of their colleague ran the 400 hurdles, got his gold medal, and saw that Eric was packing his bags to come home from Paris, because he wouldn't run. He says, here's my ticket. He was given another man's race. His strength was only for 100. So when he won, he was asked, how did you win the race? He says, for the first 100 meters, I ran as fast and as hard as I could. Then the rest, God ran through me. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. And when you run for him, you'll feel his pleasure once again. Like the runners, now, I was no runner as a child. I ran away from things, <laughs> namely the bullies. So I was good at running away. But you can see them in the starting blocks, can't you? They are focused ahead. They're not looking at the shoes. They're not looking at the track. They're not even looking at the hurdles. They're looking at the finishing line. We need to be in the starting blocks and focused on him. For Philippians says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. It starts with the mind. In your starting blocks, first thing in the morning when you get up, it's going to start then. Your race starts as soon as you're going to wake up tomorrow morning. And I want you to, because I have a picture mind, and I can only think in pictures. Helen says, yeah, okay, tell me the picture first, but tell the details later sort of thing. Um... So when you get up the first thing tomorrow morning, just say, Lord, just imagine the race in your starting blocks or this. Fix your thoughts on what is true and what is honourable and what is right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Be careful what you think of first thing in the morning. That's your starting block. That's your, that's your, your race for the day. That's your finishing line. Remember, it says that thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are created. Our primary reason is for him. Now, our gifts. Let's talk about the gifts now. It says in Ephesians, 
Well, first of all, the Lord wants us to find his pleasure. This is important now. The Lord wants us to find his pleasure in using the unique, individual, personal gift that God has given you. You know something? Even Jesus on the cross, he was able to stay there and go through all that because of joy. Because the Bible says that he went through all those things for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. He was there because of his love for us, but he endured it because he could see beyond. He could see the finishing line. He could see you being saved and having fellowship with him. That's what kept him going. The joy of seeing you in the future kept him on the cross. All the stuff that he went through, his joy kept him going. So, gifts then. How can we fill the gaps? How, how can we glorify God, run with God, with the gifting that God's given us? Ephesians 4, 7 says, However, he has given each of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ, through the Holy Spirit. We've each been given a gift. Who, me? Yes, and I'm going to explain it, and there's no excuses. Every one of you today will know you've got a gift. It goes on in Ephesians from verse 11. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Their responsibility is to equip people to do his work and build up the church and body of Christ. You know something? If it wasn't for the gifts, we'd have no church. We'd have no pastor because that's a gift. We'd have no evangelists because that's a gift. We'd have nobody who could pray for healing because that's a gift. We'd have nobody who can give a word of knowledge. That's a gift. You think, oh, but these are all big gifts. I'm going to separate them out. That's what we call the spiritual gifts or the higher gifts or the charismatic gifts. But God's also given us natural gifts. There are gifts we can aspire to and move into, but he's each of us given us an unnatural gift. Romans 12 says, In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach them well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Whatever you do, do it well. This gives him pleasure. Because don't forget why we're made for him, not for you. This gives him pleasure and we can feel and share in his pleasure. I remember a long time ago, about 10 years ago now, I got made redundant with 24 other people. And for three months, we had this window that we'd try and find jobs. And we cut a long story short, and I must do because of time. All my colleagues, when they realised they were going to get redundant, some just left and some put their feet on the desk and said, I'm not going to do anything. I've got a project to do. Gordon, we do a project. Uh, I'm being really redundant. Yeah, it's to go out and about. It's not until the, it'll, make, it'll help the business. You know what? I did it. Inside... What are you doing? This company's making you redundant. That was the mind. The spirit was saying, do it as to the Lord. So I did it. I excelled at it. Right to the last day, which was the end of December, when we were all breaking up for Christmas and had no jobs, would be. And I got a phone call when they were celebrating, saying, Will you come back to work after Christmas and New Year? Because we taught you about. Right? When I went back, Oh, by the way, when I was doing what I was doing, which is conducting businesses, I was very all over the place. One day, I can't miss this up because of the point. One day, I remember parking up the car park, about to door knock a business, and I felt as if I was going to slow motion as I was going towards a business, and I felt the joy come over me. And it was God's pleasure. I thought, what? what? I felt him say... Not in words, but just I'd, I, he was saying, well done. Because he wouldn't have been doing this unless he'd obeyed, uh, obeyed me. And I didn't realize that through his, this obedience, 
God was going to, because I went back after the new year, and they said, look, there's a special project here that only you've got the skill set for. We couldn't offer anybody else because he has your sales background. would like you to stay. Out of all the 24 people that were made, made redundant, I got saved. Because one guy I'd met at a networking event, an old guy comes up to, to, the, to the booth I was at, and I just thought, oh, he's just passing the time. Didn't realize he was one of the directors of the company. And says, do you enjoy your job, son? And I says, yeah, I told him about it. So when he saw my name on the overhead, he says, he's staying. I got told this months afterwards. God will move you like that, or he'll have you. It's just, his time's in your hands. Your hands are in his times. Don't worry about it. So you see, but I don't have a spiritual gift, a big spiritual gift. It's only me. It's none. After a long time, their master returned from his trip, called them to give an account of how they used his money, the talents. A servant who he entrusted five bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you give me five, I've got five more. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. I'll give you many more responsibilities. He said the same to the one who had two bags of silver. I've earned two more. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. Now go, I'll give you many more responsibilities. Notice the fact to the one he gave five or two or one, he still said that it was a small amount. You might say, well, I've only got a small, it's only me. It's only a little gift I've got. It doesn't matter. He can use it. I'm too young. I'm too busy. I'm too old. Jesus described in all cases you've been faithful in handling the small amount. Even five talents was this small. Let's look now how we can use our gifts, however small, to his glory, and you'll start to feel his pleasure again. But let's do it with the right attitude and character. This was confirmed when I was reading a uh, daily reading. And it says here about being faithful. It just caught my eye. It says, because talent may open the door and get you the job, but character and faithfulness will keep you there. When it comes to faithfulness, that's what God's looking for. Faithfulness and character. Faithfulness and character. A long time ago, I was I had a cash register business, servicing cash registers and selling them, etc. And I got it was a company called T and John that had about thirty-five cash registers, and I, I was servicing them. Got the contract for it, and nobody's watching me. And I could have just just I could have put the Hoover in and Hoover the didn't, you know, no one's watching me. Great. Then one day when I was just servicing it, the word integrity came to my mind and the Lord says, you're not doing a good enough job there. Oh, well, no, but no worries. No, do it for me. Well, that was different. The cabinet came off, the keyboard came apart, the display, everything. I replaced things that, I thought, what am I doing this for? It's just integrity. Do it for me, as if it was my till, as if it was my shop. So every single one I did properly. No one was watching. Over and above what I should have done, every single one. When it finished, I didn't realise, when it finished, two weeks later, I got a phone call to go into their head office. He says, about the tills, I thought, oh, dear me, well, I'll service them. I want them all changed over for brand new ones. We'd like you to give us a quote. And I got the order. Replaced them all. But the marvellous thing was, the, the part exchanges that I got, we're ready for resale. Why? Because I'd put integrity in. Didn't have to waste time. They were just ready to sell on. So I didn't just get the order. I was able to sell the old ones ready and refurbished because God had said he knew what was coming. <laughs> it was coming. If I'd just tickled them, they would have gone in the bin. Wouldn't have had the time to have serviced them. Colossians 3, then servants of Baal, oh, Obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleases, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that, if the, that you shall receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve Christ. I was rewarded because he said, put integrity into what you do. 
My father used to say, if you're going to do a job, son, do it well. An attitude is everything. Not a sour attitude. I could have said, I'm not I'm being made redundant. I'm not, I'm not doing that. Like the rest of them put my feet in the desk and had three months of a jolly. But no, I said, OK, I'll do that program. Um, my job was saved. The kicker was, out of the, the redundancy money that I got, I paid for the church chairs of his church. <laughs> and when I went back to, to work, the accountant came in. He says, uh, you're back, Gordon. I says, aye. He says, uh, can I ask you a favour? I says, aye. He says, come have your redundancy money back. <laughs> I says, what? He says, well, if you do that contractually, it means that if any time happens in the future, it's continuity of service. I thought, Lord, if you know how to get money out with Scotsman. <laughs> I had to give him the cheque back. <laughs> anyway, there's a bit of story there. There you go. So, <laughs> but God knew what he was doing. I had to choose everything. When I was learning to fly, didn't take the uh, final exam, my instructor would say, Every now and again, attitude, attitude, attitude. And I was saying, but I haven't offended you ever? I haven't, I haven't done, you know? No, attitude is a state of where you are. Because attitude donates attitude. You'll only go as high as your attitude's right. Ever work for somebody who has a position, but personality-wise, shouldn't be anywhere near you? Yep. We've all had great bosses, haven't we? Attitude. Because when, when you find the cloud, you don't know if you're going up or down or left or right or this, that, and to the attitude. Because the Bible does say that if I could speak the languages of earth and angels and don't love others, I would be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, if I understood all of God's secrets and possessed all knowledge but didn't love, it wouldn't be worth anything at all. So, I mentioned there's two types of gifts. Ten minutes. There's two kinds of gifts. There were those, what say, higher gifts or spiritual gifts, and they could be gifts of healing, gifts of miracles, prophecy, discernments of spirits, interpretation of tongues, etc. Um, prophets, teachers, helpers, etc., etc. These are all there to build up the church. But there are gifts associated with natural abilities. Whilst not specifically defined as spiritual gifts in the Bible, they are nevertheless natural abilities that we have and God has given us. They are just as spiritual. There could be gifts of fellowship. It's good to see you this morning. If you weren't here, I'd be preaching to Sean and the pastor. And maybe a couple of others. Bless you for your faithfulness and your fellowship. That's a gift. Celibacy. To be single. That means you can be single-minded for the now and get God preeminent in your life and get things sorted out. Hospitality. You can be hospitable. Intercession. Pray for other people. Make her not embarrass you. But... I said in there, we've been prayed for you yesterday, Helen and I, out in the countryside, and you're, we spoke about you all the time, virtually. But Mick, I said, hey, Lord, I'd love to see him again back in the fellowship. He's here this morning. Intercession, interceding, feeling for how the person might be feeling. I wasn't just praying for you, Mick, I was, we were trying to understand how you'd be feeling, and you too, Vicky. That's more than God bless Mick and Vic and hope that they're going to come tomorrow. That's the mind. The heart's motivating me to do it, but my gut says, oh, Mick, Vicky, out of your belly comes rivers of living water. When your gut reacts, that's a prayer. Ooh, hallelujah. Marriage, gift of marriage. Helen has had the gift of me for the past 42 years. <laughs> Every morning I remind you of that. I'm a gift from God. <laughs> we just bask a few more moments. A bit more. <laughs> Effective witnessing the whole lot. Now, 
I feel instructed to do this now. As I say, all things have been confirmed about what to do. Even this. When, as I say, my most favourite, um, or the, the, the thing that Eric Little said that really helped me, uh, God made me for China or made me for him in our circumstances, but he also made me, that's your spiritual gift. So I've got a piece of paper here. Now what I did was, I rolled some up in little scrolls. And I thought, oh, they look like batons, don't they? In a race. And what's written on this baton then that you're going to come up and receive either a baton or a slip of paper? Because before Eric ran the race, I wish they said, he's not going to win because he's only good for 100 metres. He hasn't got the strength for 400. That's not his race. He's just taking someone else's place. You might think, have I got strength for this race? Don't forget who ran the other 300. God in you. God in him. So when you get it, it says, God made me, that's been filled in already, for him. That's to remind you. Then it says, but he's also made me, now what Eric said, fast, you, you're going to put in there what your gift is. For me, I'll put down as an example, an encourager. God made me for you, Lord, but I'm also, but he also made me an encourager. For when I encourage others, I feel your pleasure. There's nothing else I feel more pleasurable than when I'm encouraging somebody and I see the light come on. That's when I get my joy. So when you get this, that's your baton. So when I did this, this is yesterday morning, I thought, Lord, am I being a bit Sunday schoolish? Is this a bit trite? Is it, you know? Then the door went. A magazine was pushed to the door by David Hathaway. Not in person. He's, <laughs> he's in China or someplace. And I, I thought, oh, I've read enough lately. I don't read anymore. But I just opened it. And why I'd looked to the bottom left-hand side. I mean, normally in a magazine, you look in the middle, don't you? And everything else in between. But the bottom left-hand side of all places, the Lord like put it right in my face. And this is what it says. Now in verse 2 of Habakkuk, the Lord said, the Lord answered me and said, write the vision, make it plain, that he or she who reads it may run with it. Like a button. For the vision is yet an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not a lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it shall surely come and will not delay. I'm going to show you the vision. Write it down, speak it clearly to them, and run with the vision. So God's even confirmed that you to take this bat on, if you're serious about getting back in the race again. You know when I saw that, that uh, I saw a race and I saw a guy fall? in a race and he stayed down and I looked and I watched and I got something rose up beside me and I set the TV helmet was I said he's fallen down oh she says I said no he's, he's staying down and I said the TV get up get up man there was a indignation Remember that text I read before about the indignation? Don't rejoice over me, O my enemy, for I face the Lord's indignation. The Lord's saying, when I looked in, in the dictionary, indignation, it says a righteous anger. A righteous anger. When Elijah ran away and hid in a cave, God says, what are you doing here? He says, I'm the only one, only one left. You've only got me left, he says. And God reminded him, I've got 4,000, haven't bowed the D. Now go and do. Get back in the race. So I looked at that man who'd laid down because he couldn't be first anymore. 
or second or third, as long as he lay there, he's going to be last. But at least he could have got up. Sean, can I have that picture of the, of the um, slide of the people coming over the line? I was saying at least he can get up and encourage other people. He rolled over at the end and, dis and disqualified himself. It's time to get up. There's times we can help other people through your gifting. There's people that are struggling. Get alongside them. That's your gift. Don't you want to help your mates, your friends? Of course you do. That pleases God and you'll feel his pleasure. The person in the middle felt the pleasure of the help on both sides. Wouldn't you? Next one, please, Sean. It doesn't matter how you come across the line at the end. If you're coming crawling, praise the Lord. She's going to finish. She could have rolled over and said, got no more strength. Looking at her, she hasn't got much strength left, but she's got enough strength to get over that line. So it doesn't matter if you come over like this or like that. God says, I want you to finish the race. Don't be a good starter. The word says, the Lord has, that has begun a good work in you shall perfect it until you. he knows what he's doing. He started his race well and finished well because the joy set before him in seeing you sitting here today, he's been through it all for you. He's put the time in. He put the training in. He put the, energy, he, he put the sacrifice in for you. All we've got to do is to run with him and for his pleasure. And if you only feel enough strength for the 100 meters, God will do the rest. Another one? One of Eric's little quotes is, many of us are missing something in life because we are after the second best. What's the second best? Your will. Not his. It's not about me. When I want it for me. You know, the biggest revelation I ever had from the Lord was, Gordon, I wasn't, I'm, I'm not here to make you feel better. You're here to make me feel, well, to glorify me. And when I got that right, that's when my life started to change as well. The last one is, uh, that is last one in the video? Is it? Okay. Now, as I say, at the end, I want one more text to say, once you've seen what's coming next, I want one more piece of paper to read and that's it, done. You've had your f five laps. Oh, sorry, Sean, can I just... Start there? Wow. I just want to say one more thing. As you're, reach, as you're watching this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a, a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Thank you, Sean. Isn't that how you want to come home?
He came back to Scotland, last piece of paper. He came back to Scotland after the race and preached that Sunday from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 29, which I went into Joyce Meyer's reading for the day as a final, Lord, am I doing right? And her reading for the day is Isaiah 40, this very same chapter. He preached this. He gives power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength, that even the youths shall grow faint and weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall rise up and mount with the, as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Eric died in China, February 21st, 1945. His last words were, it's more surrender. It's more surrender. It's more surrender. Let's run, friends. Christ, our greatest hero, who endured the cross for us. Amen. Please take your, your buttons or slips of paper because before Eric ran that race, a note was handed to him that said, he who honours me, I will honour. So either take a slip of paper or take a button and fill your gift in and run with God. Amen. Gordon, I just uh, want to encourage you, <laughs> and you can even see that this is in my notes before my notes about what you said this morning. So during the worship this morning, um, God took me to the first chapter of Ezekiel. Um, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It's verses 1 to 12 of chapter 1. On July 31st of my 30th year, while I was with the Judean exiles beside the Kabar River in Babylon, the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. This happened during the 50th year of King Jehoiachin's captivity. Um, the Lord gave this message to Ezekiel, son of Buzi, a priest beside the Kabar River in the land of the Babylonians, and he felt the hand of the Lord take hold of him. As I looked, I saw a great storm coming from the north, driving before it a huge cloud that flashed with lightning and shone with brilliant light. There was fire inside the cloud, and in the middle of the fire glowed something like gleaming amber. From the center of the cloud came four living beings that looked human, except that each had four faces and four wings. Their legs were straight, and their feet had hooves like those of a calf, and shone like burnished bronze. Under each of their four wings, I could see human hands, so each of the four beings had four faces and four wings. The wings of each living being touched the wings of the beings, the beings beside it, each one moved straight forward in any direction without turning around. Without turning around. Each had a human face in the front, the face of a lion on the right side, the face of an ox on the left side, and the face of an eagle at the back. Each had two pairs of outstretched wings, one pair stretched out to touch the wings of the living beings on either side of it, and the other pair covered its body. They went in whatever direction the spirit chose, and they moved straight forward in any direction without turning around. And as I took my notepad out to say, God, what are you, what are you saying about this? And you can see it here. I've written, write the vision down, make it plain. <laughs> so what, what jumped out at it was in verse 1, this was while he was with the exiles. They were sat down, you know, by the rivers, rivers of Babylon, you know, as we sat down. They were sat down in their exile when this, the heavens were opened and this vision came. And it was while um, it was during the king's captivity. God does not wait for us to get ourselves out of our captivity before he reveals himself. Um, but particularly what jumped out was verse 12, and it's about the leaving beings went in whatever direction the spirit chose they moved straight forward in any direction without turning around no looking to the right no looking to the left it's by the leading of the spirit so i just wanted to encourage you this morning thanks marisa and thanks gordon great stuff we can get hold of this morning and and it's been recorded and we're going to 
work out where our last sermons have gone over the last number of weeks and we're going to put them on a platform somewhere so you can listen to them again. Gordon, I don't know if you know this, in the garden is Eric Liddell's quote that when I run, I feel God's pleasure. It's been there now probably for four or five years. As I run, I feel God's pleasure. And I want us to catch this this morning, that as we run in his business, going about the Father's business, we catch his pleasure. We run for his pleasure and for his glory. Amazing, eh? Amazing. He is getting joy when we're running for him. <laughs> Marisa, great. Holy Spirit, what are you doing? You're wrecking these services. More, Lord, more, wreck these services more and more. Amen? There's so much you can get from that sermon. There's so much. There's so, get it. Get it. It might be important. That's okay. Good. There's so much we can get from this sermon today. Gordon, thank you for being faithful. A couple of things happened today, Gordon. And let me tell you about talking about running and starting. And I don't want to embarrass Gordon. Gordon needed to preach today. He knows why. He needed to preach today. And God's saying, son, you got back up. You got back up, my faithful servant, and I'll bless you for that. He knows what that means. Gordon didn't want to get back up. He didn't want to come on the stage. But God had given him something that he needed to share. Thank you for being faithful. Get hold of that. I, I can't express enough how much I want you to get hold of that word. And daddy. Nobody more important than daddy. But get hold of that word. Get, may, get hold of the recording. Share the recording. Why? Because there's, there's power in the word. Amen? Amen. And uh, I knew, I, I got woke up in the morning really early. I woke up early in the morning anyway, but I got very ridiculous early. I got woke up at three, you know, four o'clock in the morning. I can't remember exactly. And God put on my heart that this particular Sunday, Gordon needed to speak. And do you know, actually, Gordon, this week we were due a, a visiting speaker as well. And the visiting speaker I spoke to three weeks ago, he said, mate, I'm struggling, I can't make it. I said, that's fine, Lord, what are you doing? Such a time as this. Amen. Oh, I love it. God is, he's up to something, isn't he? He's up to something. And I want us to be right at the middle of what he's up to. Is that an arrogance from pastor? No, because I want every church in this city that is spirit-filled to be right in the middle of it. But if it's going to happen here, if it's got to start here, I'm here. I'm in. Who's in with me? Holy Spirit, wreck more of our lives, wreck more of our services, wreck more of our agendas so we can run for you. And we can feel your pleasure in that run. That's going about the Father's business. Amen? Amen. Well, we're going to sing. And then I'm going to give some notices and then we're going to have some fellowship together. Four cakes you've made. Four cakes and I started Slimming World again this week. You didn't. Let's stand, we're going to sing, we're going to worship. God of revival, amen. If we want to see revival in our church, in our city, it's got to start right with us. Right with us. Thank you.